I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. For our 11th episode, Apple has cranked it up to 11 with macOS 11. The, um, the 16th version of macOS 10, I think? No, 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 Austin. 10 <laughs> is gone. macOS 10 is gone. macOS 10 was actually gone a while ago. Uh, we net, right, we are on full-on 11 now, my friend. It's okay. It's still Mac OS X in my heart. Okay. You're going to be one of those? <laughs> Look, Mac OS, Mac OS X, Mac OS 11, it's all the same thing. Actually, it kind of is all the same thing. I mean, I feel like there's a huge, way huge difference between Mac OS 0 versus Mac OS, what was it, 15? Was Catalina 15? Yes, I think it was. I think this would have been uh, 10.16 if they would have stuck with 10, <laughs> uh, which is a bit funny. <laughs> you, need, you need to reset it. Like at some point we need iOS 2 instead of iOS 34 or something, but it's okay. Yeah, it is intriguing that, like, that we're up to 14 now for all of the other platforms except for Watch, right? So Watch is on 7, the Mac is on 11, and everything else is on 14, even though we're on the second version of iPadOS, but it's, <laughs> they actually technically call it 14, which is like a whole question of, why didn't they just go with Mac OS 14, right? Like, just, you know. Oh, interesting. I feel like they probably want to keep away from that sort of connotation that uh, the Mac OS is just iOS. But I'm really curious, Mike. So obviously, <laughs> WWDC. They didn't care about it with the design, <laughs> did they? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we could get into that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, look, WWDC is always crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's hard to argue that the focus this year really isn't just the Mac. Right? I mean, the Mac had such a huge front and center thing. I mean, obviously, yeah. iOS and the iPad and the watch, they all got like decent updates, tvOS, but really... Honestly, they all got more than I was expecting. I really thought this was going to be a, we've got some big stuff for the Mac. Well, really, what everybody thought was the transition. I don't think we were expecting as much for Mac OS as we got. Yeah. But, like, this is going to be the Mac year and everything else. We're going to give some little features and like some spit and polish. But it, I really think that across the board, they actually delivered pretty consistent and compelling updates for all of the operating systems. Which really begs the big question, Mike. Can the Mac tempt the test drivers away from the iPad back to the warm, mm. loving arms oh, of the nice. Mac? Oh, that's nice. You've been working on that one. I'm very proud of you. I think, look, here's Thank you the very thing. Much. Is it going to tempt you? 100% because you can't stop switching, right? Like that is what we Wait, have learned over unfair. the last 11 episodes. Unfair. Mean, that's unfair. I think the last four <laughs> episodes have begun with Mike. I've switched to this. Uh, like, you, look, this is what you're very good at, right? You want to keep moving around from thing to thing. So with what's going on on the Mac, that's super exciting, right? So Mac OS Big Sur, which is the name of the new version, uh, they was named it after a place. This is uh, interesting because they, they kind of went with a new place. They didn't go with something Catalina related, which they would do, right? You would pick Thankfully. like... Right? You would pick like one place, like Sierra and then High Sierra, right? Because they were iterations on the previous version of the operating system. But Apple, not only in, have they gone to 11 with the actual full-on version number, they've given it this new name because Apple have really made some very big advancements to the Mac's design, which nobody was expecting macOS to get a full redesign. Uh, yeah. And that was very, very surprising um, and kind of incredible that 
it did not get rumored or leaked at all. I will say going into this WWDC, that was something that I was kind of excited about. Like I like everybody, you know, I, I love when rumors come out and leaks come out. It's like, it's interesting because we stuff to talk about on the shows, mm-hmm. but I also do like some element of surprise when, when I'm watching these announcements and keynotes and Mac OS was the big surprise because nobody was were talking about uh, big visual overhauls for Mac OS at all. That, that was on nobody's radar. And in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's macOS 11. It's sort of their big transition to Apple Silicon. It makes sense to bring a big new design with that, especially considering that besides, obviously, the developer transition kit, which is really just sort of a, a Mac Mini with an iPad SoC inside, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this new design informs what the hardware looks like, right? Like, are we just going to get, like, a, a new 13-inch MacBook Pro with a new chip in? They're going to call it a day. Do we potentially have some more spicy upgrades coming? I don't know. It's, it's curious, but I feel like the Apple Silicon side for me, I mean, design obviously is great, but that's going to be coming to all Macs. You know, we'll be getting that on Intel yep. stuff for years to come. To me, I'm really curious about sort of the behind-the-scenes transition on not only why Apple decided to switch over from Intel to their own Apple Silicon, but also kind of how they're going to do it. Yeah, so they announced that the first Macs with Apple Silicon is what they're calling it. They're not calling it ARM. Which is fine. Which makes sense. I mean, because they didn't call the Intel stuff x86, right? They mm. they, they gave it a brand. And there will be a brand. It, Apple Silicon is not the name of the product. Like, I can I guarantee you that. Like, <laughs> they will get code names. Like, you have yeah. the A12 Bionic or whatever, right? Like, they, they will give them these little names like that, the chips. Apple have announced they are creating their own set of chips. Like, the developer kit. So, for developers that are interested in, and want to apply, the kit that they're getting includes the chip that's in the current iPad Pro, but Apple will be developing a line of chips that are just to go in Macs. So they'll probably have a selection of portable chips and a selection of desktop chips, especially because they have said within two years, they will transition the entire line. Mm. I am very keen to understand, does that mean the Mac Pro as well? Oh, yeah. It's got to, right? There's no way they're just going to go through all this work to redesign the Mac Pro, give it all these cool new features, and then call it a day. And that actually, I think, opens up an entire can of worms, right? Because obviously, they've been very forthcoming that, you know, it seems like they're building sort of bigger versions of what we get in the iPhone, the iPad, generally speaking, right? So Apple designed GPU, Apple designed CPU cores, all the various I.O. around it. But you look at something like the Mac Pro, right? What happens when you have all those PCI slots and you have an Apple Silicon chip inside? Do we have AMD GPU support? Do we have NVIDIA GPU support? I mean, I I can't imagine, unless they're going to start shipping their own add-in cards with Apple GPUs, which to me sounds crazy. I can't imagine them doing that. like Because that, that goes against the whole idea of the Mac Pro in the first place, right? That you have options. Like, that is a machine for options. Yeah. And if your only options are GPUs that Apple make, that doesn't seem right to me. And plus, like, no way. Apple do not make GPUs in the way that we think about them. Yes. They make GPUs that are integrated into the system on a chip. So they'll have like one chip, it's got a CPU and a GPU. That's what goes inside of our iPads. It's what's going to go inside of laptops when they happen. And potentially some desktops. But when you get to the iMac Pro, and the Mac Pro, 
I don't know if they're going to be able to match the raw GPU power that an yeah. AMD can. So when you look at what you get inside current Apple devices, you have to do that with the caveat that they're low-power mobile devices. It's one thing to get incredible performance, very bursty workloads in a 5-watt or 10-watt package. But when you look at a GPU that can pull 100, 200, 300 watts, when you look at a CPU that can be hundreds of watts as well, the scaling isn't quite linear. And when you look at what Intel has obviously done for many, many years, as well as AMD on the CPU side, obviously there's a lot of work to sort of push those architectures mm-hmm. into the higher wattages, the higher voltages, and make sure that things hold together and you get high performance and good scaling. On the graphics front, though, I would argue it's almost a bigger challenge to push a tiny little you know GPU that's sort of you know pulling a couple watts to going to 100 times that and actually get that same level of scaling and performance. I'm not... I mean, look, I'm not going to bet against anything Apple's doing right now. Obviously, their chip team is incredibly talented. But if I had to put my money on it, I feel like we are not going to see any kind of major super high-end Apple GPU shipping in the next years. I feel like we will see with Apple Silicon on the high end of probably the 16-inch MacBook on that sort of Mac Pro. And if we get another version of the iMac Pro, I do think we're going to see AMD Maybe NVIDIA, but likely AMD to stick around for at least a few more years as they sort of rev that team up. Because that's so much work. I think it's logical. They they don't need to to do everything. They can work directly mm-hmm. with AMD to make sure like they're gonna get this stuff to work, right? Like then Apple don't have to go ahead and make it. Like, yeah. do I believe they will be able to compete with Intel even at the Xeon level? I do. Right, like yeah, I yeah. could imagine them doing something bananas and put making like a sixty-four core ARM chip to go in the Mac Pro, right? Like that they just yeah. do something absolutely wild. But I don't know if they need to or if they should really go after trying to make like a GPU that's big mm-hmm. that's got its own integrated memory that you yeah. can put two of them in a stack and put them together, right? Like it feels like a lot even within a two-year time period, when you could still rely on external partners to provide those for you. And then yeah. maybe down the line, you offer something else. But like for everything other than the the highest-end Pro products, I'm not 100% sure about the 16-inch MacBook Pro. I could still imagine mm-hmm. them trying to do something there because it's maybe. still a laptop. But yeah. the high-end desktops, I still imagine they will have some kind of graphics options which are made by their partners rather than them. And I think that that would be the logical start as well to alleviate what will be concerns from those high-end top-tier customers. Yeah. Right? To be like, look, the, the chips are so much better. You know we can do that. But if we want to talk about discrete graphics, we mu- they might need to sell people a bit more on that. Um, mm. And there may be a longer tail of getting optimizations from their, you know, like from the from software partners, right? They're yeah. already asking them in this two year period, or really within the next six months, to optimize their their applications to run on ARM, right? Like exactly. They're, they're asking that of them. Don't then immediately ask them to have their stuff <laughs> optimized to work on your graphics hardware. Exactly. I mean, especially when you consider that AMD and NVIDIA are very much standard architectures that are sort of already available, especially on the Windows side. Obviously, AMD is already available on the Mac. So it makes sense to me to just sort of keep that 
And obviously, you have that Mac Pro full of PCI slots. You got yeah. to put something in there. Unless the argument is that Apple say we have metal. You know, if you oh. write to metal and mm. take advantage of that, it doesn't matter what's plugging in on the other end. Oh, I don't know, man. It's, a t- it's just a tough sell on the high end. I feel like it seems like an ask for now, but I can imagine Apple made GPUs in their future for the exact reason that they've, they're dropping Intel because Apple do not want to be beholden to anyone. Anyone. Yes. Right? Yes. They want to own and operate the entire stack. And we have gotten here. There's going to be a great business book one day written about <laughs> what has happened between Apple and Intel. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have the details. It's clear to see what's happened that, you know, Intel could not deliver anymore at the rate of in- enhancements and improvements and speed that Apple were yep. demanding. And Apple, I feel like, have been, and we're going to see this, right? Like, these products that come out later this year, which will, I'm sure, feature new designs and stuff like that, especially in the laptop line, if they are radical and really big jumps, we're going to see why Apple was frustrated, right? Because mm-hmm. they have been, maybe feel like they have been held back by what Intel were providing them. What do you think we'll see, especially in the portable space? Because... So there is a heavy rumor that Apple will be releasing a new iMac and Apple yeah. have said we have new Intel computers that we are going to keep shipping. So there's probably going to be a redesigned iMac that comes out with an Intel chip in it that will surely get an ARM chip maybe six months to a year later. Right. But I think the first ARM Mac that ships to customers is surely a laptop of some kind. It could be a replacement for the 12-inch MacBook, could be a replacement for the Air, could be a replacement for the 13-inch MacBook Pro. I think the MacBook Pro is actually a pretty good candidate considering it Mm -hmm. did not get any visual refresh like the 16-inch did. Yeah. I'm I'm really curious. I think the next couple years are going to be really wacky because we're going to have this sort of skewed view of you're going to see the Intel Macs continue to soldier on. We're going to see, you know, if you look at, there's a two-year timeline, I would be surprised if pretty much most of the higher-end Intel Macs are going to get at least one more major update. I mean, I feel like, what was it, a week or two ago, we just got a new GPU option in the 16-inch MacBook. I mean, they're clearly not giving up on the current Macs. And to be clear, they're not dropping support for Intel Macs anytime soon. They've promised multiple years. They've said many, many years. It's going to be a very, very long time. Like, they were still supporting the PowerPC stuff for quite a while. Yeah, and they have to, right? I mean, you can't sell a... $50,000 $50,000 Mac Pro in the end of 2019 and a couple years later drop support. I mean, that's uh, probably not going to happen anytime soon. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what we see toward the end of the year because they've gone on record as saying that they're looking to ship new Macs by the end of the year, potentially early next year. We'll see what happens. I'm a little bit on the conservative side of what I think these Macs will look like. There's obviously wild rumors, and I think we can get into it a little bit later, about like touchscreens and all kinds of sort of huge iPad-y designs and shifts in the way the Mac will work. My opinion is they actually might look pretty similar to the Macs hmm. we have today. In fact, some might, like you said, like with the, the iMac or even maybe like the 16-inch MacBook, we may see ARM and Intel designs existing at the same time, right? 
I don't know how yeah. realistic that is. That may be, well, no, it won't be. It will absolutely be confusing to consumers as far as what works on what. And obviously, there's a lot of compatibility issues that we can get into. See, I, I, I disagree with you. I think that oh, really? all of the ARM products are going to be very visually distinct from the products okay. that they are either replacing or living alongside, with okay. the exception of the iMac, because the the rumor for the iMac, which I completely believe, is that it's going to get a visual redesign. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple say that, like, you know, it's, an, it's Intel now, and this is going to be our iMac design for the next few years, hinting at the fact that it will also feature ARM chips down the line, like they did yeah. with the first Intel iMac. There was a PowerPC version, and they said, like, this is going to be the first Intel computer as well, right? And it was the same, mm-hmm. looked the same. But I, I believe that Apple will really want to make a splash with these computers and make them look different. And, make them, and so the iPad Pro, the current iPad Pro, they have those flat edges, right? And yes. that is something that is rumored to be coming to the iPhone this year and also rumored to be coming to the iMac this year. I think that that flat edge, completely straight design, right? Mm-hmm. Like no curves, no rounded corners. Uh, well, some rounded corners, right? But not like on the edges, like, you know, the the the, the kind of the surface The huge meet. taper. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see any of that. I, I think we're going to be getting iPad-style design across everything, including the laptops, which I think will make them look really modern and very different because I think there's going to be distinct capabilities of these machines. Apple will be able to design the guts of them to be exactly the way that they want. They might not need the same level of cooling that they currently do, mm-hmm. so they can maybe make them thinner. And you know if they can make them thinner, they're going to do that. <laughs> and and I, I really believe that Apple will want to revitalize the Mac yeah. by selling a ton of these things because it looks cool again in a new way. And, I mean, you could see it in the keynote. They were very, they were very clear in saying how exciting, quote-unquote exciting, these, these products are going to be. And mm-hmm. I think that means some pretty, pretty big departures visually. Well, speaking of visually, what do you think about the design of Big Sur? I love it. Now, I have not okay. used it yet. I've only looked, I've only seen uh, images, right? And, and like videos and stuff like that. But I'm a big iOS guy and it, especially an iPad guy from a usability and design perspective. And Apple have definitely decided that they want elements of iPadOS and macOS to be more consistent. And they've mm-hmm. they moved them both, right? So Mac is borrowing a little from iPad, and iPad is now borrowing a little from the Mac. Um, I think the icons, this is divisive, but I think they look awesome. I really like them. Uh, yeah. What I, I, like, I think I like not, not necessarily the details, but I like what they represent, which is they look mm-hmm. modern, but they still look like Mac icons. They have character to them. I just hear Scott Forstall screaming in the distance. Yep. (laughs) I was right. Uh, But overall, I love the rounded corners. Um, I kind of like the transparency. Um, Yeah, I I, I think that the overall design looks great. I've seen many screenshots of things that need tweaking. But I remember Mm -hmm. what iOS 7 was like. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. And iOS 7, whilst even when it shipped, it was still quite divisive. The first beta compared to the shipping version was vastly different 
in many mm-hmm. ways visually. Like they made lots and lots of tweaks to make it much more usable. And if you tried iOS 7 and thought that it was unusable from a design perspective, you should have been on the base because they were <laughs> really difficult in places. And especially when you look at what Catalina was, right? I mean, look, actually, did you ever even upgrade to Catalina? No. <laughs> I never had a reason. Like, there was never a yeah. reason. Like, the only thing that I want from Catalina that I don't have is uh, the third-party Catalyst apps. Like, mm-hmm. I would like to have a Twitter app for the Mac rather than using the website. And that really oh, would be yeah. the only thing that I want that I don't have uh, on High Sierra. Yeah. Wait, you're on High Sierra? Uh, Mojave. I'm on Mojave. Oh, my, oh sorry. Like, wow, my, really... <laughs> my previous Mac was on High Sierra. If I could have had this Mac on High Sierra, it still would be because I just oh. didn't. But so here's the thing. I'm going to upgrade to Big Sur pretty much immediately because Same. I love the way it looks. And that's because like the thing for me with Mac OS was, eh, it was kind of like, I don't, I, I don't need to update and risk things breaking. Right. Because there was nothing pulling me to update. But the visual changes, messages, that kind of stuff that they're doing, especially some of the new improvements in Safari. Yeah, I want those on my Mac. I totally agree. No, and I, I, dude, I'm absolutely on the same page. I really like the way that the iPad looks and feels. And honestly, I think that's part of the reason why I keep being drawn back to it. And that's part of the reason why, especially Catalina, is really what kind of booted me off the Mac. I've had so many issues Mm. with like our server, with Finder, with just general instability that I, I mean, the, so the MacBook I'm talking to you on right now, this is on Mojave for the exact same reasons of I just, did not want to trust uh, like a recording like this to Catalina, right? Mm-hmm. But I get it that obviously Catalina was an update that they were working on, but I bet they're spending a whole lot more time getting Big Sur ready in the background. So it, it makes sense. Catalina is to iOS that the iPhone 7 was to the iPhone. Mm. The iPhone I like 7 it. killed the headphone jack, right? I think it was the first yep. one to grid of the headphone jack. Yep. They sacrificed that headphone jack because they weren't going to put one on the iPhone 10. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the home button, remember? Yeah. They got rid of the, that digital home button. Yep. What would they call it? The... They became like a solid state one, right? Like it yeah, wasn't yeah. an actual physically clicking home button. I, I don't know if that, I think that might have been six, but they were, they were making these moves and the home button was like, you know, most people didn't even notice and it, it you would, whatever. But the headphone jack was like, yeah, that upset a lot of people. It made a lot of headlines. That was the story. They did not want that story for the iPhone 10 because they wanted people to be in shock and awe at that phone. And I think what Apple did with Catalina in killing off the 32-bit apps, mm-hmm. adding in a bunch of the security stuff, all yep. of that was stuff that Apple wanted to do. And they didn't want it to become the story of Big Sur. And that's such a smart move because imagine if we're sitting right here and we're talking about, oh, Big Sur is cool, but you lose this and you lose that and this is mm-hmm. going to be locked down. I mean, honestly, it seems like an Apple Silicon Mac is essentially just going to be a Mac, right? It's not going to be an iPad where everything is incredibly locked down. Yep. You can still download all the apps you want. I mean, it sounds like you can even on Apple Silicon Macs like unlock things and like potentially put like Linux or something on it. I mean, that's wild to me. I did not expect them to be essentially just shipping like, oh, yeah, you've got Intel. You've got Apple Silicon. Have fun. It's, a, it's still a Mac at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Linux story. I know you can. Uh, I know you can virtualize uh, with Linux, but <sighs> yeah, 
and this is like a whole other thing. It basically seems like boot camp is gone. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, okay. Well, 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 well. Apple of uh, it's pretty much been confirmed that yeah. Bootcamp is gone, but there might be a virtualization story for ARM Windows. Yes, but neither uh, Apple or Microsoft are talking mm-hmm. about whether that's going to be the case. I have a suspicion that they're just not ready to talk about it yet. On a fundamental level, there's no reason why an Apple Silicon Mac couldn't run Windows ARM. Uh, via bootcamp or virtualization. My thought is this might be a thing that we see in a year or two once Microsoft figures things out because it actually does sound like Microsoft doesn't actually allow you to just buy a license for Windows ARM, right? You can't just go down to the store and pick one up. You actually need to literally go directly as an OEM to Windows to grab that. So I'll be curious to see. I don't think it's happening soon, but I do feel like there's probably some version of Windows compatibility that will be coming in the next couple years, something like that. Yeah, I think there'll be a story, but I I I cannot imagine. Yeah, I I just feel like there will be something, but I don't think it's going to be bootcamp. I I really don't think they're going to do that again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what's interesting about Big Sur is that there's compatibility with most current apps. So with with Rosetta two. They're actually allowing a lot of stuff that I didn't even expect to work like. They got like OpenGL support. Like I feel like they've been talking yeah. about they're killing OpenGL for years. And like, oh, and uh, eh, all your old games, they'll still work. Don't worry about it. Really I'm actually nice. legitimately impressed by that. Yeah. So Rosetta is an emulation technology which will allow you to still run all of your Intel applications, and and it's they will be fine. So you, you yes, most users will never notice that there's anything going on. So you'll be able to install and run all of your applications that you've bought uh, either from the Mac App Store or elsewhere, and they're all going to run until the point that Apple, uh, until the point that developers create ARM versions of those applications. Mm. I'm really curious to see how well this works. They promised it's essentially seamless. I believe it will be. I don't know if you remember, (laughs) this makes me feel old, Austin, Uh the original Rosetta. I never tried it. I was not a Mac person back then. So my first Mac was 15 years ago now. It was the first Intel Mac, first Intel iMac. And Mm. they had a Rosetta application, like Rosetta support there. And even the biggest, bloatiest of applications, like Microsoft Word at the time, which was really (laughs) rough on the Mac back then, Mm -hmm. it would like open slowly, but it would run fine. Yeah. One of the differences that Apple have made this time is that they do the translation on installation. Mm-hmm. Where previously with the original Rosetta, it was doing the translation when you opened and ran the application. So they right. opened more slowly every time because the system was like basically making this all work in the background. But now yeah. they do the the kind of the translation so it will run better on your system and they even show i mean admittedly an older game one of the tomb raider games but like slim pickings on the mac slim, you know. but it, <laughs> it was running fine looked great like i i think that this the the transition story for most people is going to be absolutely great here when they move yeah. on to these and the, but then they also get the distinct advantage of being able to run iphone and ipad apps on their That's mac crazy. which i that is never crazy. would have expected them to do it this way yeah, yeah, especially considering that it's obviously, well, so far, no touchscreen support. There's going to be a touch. I, I'm almost convinced at this point, like, oh, that there will be touchscreen Macs. Look Ooh. at Big Sur. 
Just look at it. <laughs> there are touch Just look targets at it. all over the place. Like the new control center. <laughs> why does it look like that? You know, like, yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's a more quote unquote modern design, but it's modern in the way that it looks like it's touch design. Mm-hmm. I really, I really do believe that Apple are going to have touchscreen Macs. I don't know if it will be just be on the laptops, but I think that Big Sur really looks like it will be considered for touch. I still imagine, yeah. but basically inverse the iPad here, where the iPad is built for touch, but also works great with a trackpad. Now, mm-hmm. I think it'd be the exact opposite, right? Like that Mac OS is built for trackpads and mice but works great with touch and i think they've made some choices that don't make the mouse and cursor worse mm-hmm. on mac os but will make it much much easier to touch the screen and interact with things that makes absolute sense to me i'm i'm excited to hear you say that i feel like i was like crazy a few episodes ago, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to have iPad and it's going to be exactly the same as the Mac. We're going to have touchscreen support. And now it seems like it's actually happening, which, I, well, OK, obviously it's not the exact same thing. There's still major differences between iPad mm-hmm. OS and Mac OS with the iPad getting touchpad support and with the Mac potentially getting touchscreen support. It seems like there are some real synergies there and sort of giving you the freedom to use the input method you want. I say if, there is still an if. I believe that <sighs> we are in a situation where we will see touchscreen Macs now, but it's, yeah. not, it's not known yet. No one said anything yet, but I think the writing's on the wall. You know, like the, the old argument that Apple used to make about we don't make touchscreen Macs because we you know, don't think it's great for people to have their arms stretched out. Mm-hmm. The iPad Pro is a touchscreen <laughs> laptop now. They make yep. multiple products that put it into that orientation. That old idea is gone. You know, it's like Apple yep. used to say so many things, right? Like we would never make a video iPod, right? Is the, is the <laughs> you know, and, and then they went ahead and made a video iPod, right? It was the next yep. iPod. They don't talk about the stuff that they're making and very frequently will try and throw you off the scent because they think it's fun and it is fun. It's why we, everybody pays so much attention to them in the first place because they're so secretive. Yeah. And it's why, you know, every technology company is so secretive now because that type of marketing really does work because you build yeah. up excitement in the products. You build up entire news industries focused around those products, which is really great for you. That's free marketing. Yeah. It, to me, I think it seems like it's a no-brainer to have touchscreen support because ultimately... What's the downside, right? I mean, you still there have a trackpad. You'll still have mouse support. I mean, you look at the Surface line. I mean, the Surface Studio, that's like a 27-inch display, obviously with a really innovative form factor. But of course, it's entirely touchscreen-based, right? All of the laptops, the tablets. I mean, the entire Surface line is for a reason. I would love to see them go to that level with like a, a touchscreen iMac. I don't yeah. know about that yet. I feel like it's easier to say and see that they'll do it with the laptops. Mm-hmm. Than, than an iMac because the Surface Studio works because it has that whole mechanism where you can bring it down towards you. Right. Right. Like a, like a drawing easel. Other than that, I can't, Im- I, I, like my iMac's on my desk right now. It would be mm-hmm. uncomfortable for me to reach out <laughs> and touch it. Right. Like it's, fa- yeah. it's far enough away from me because it's 27 inches. I can't have it super close. So it is mm-hmm. kind of different ergonomically to a laptop in that regard, I think. What happens, though, 
when they flew a little bit of pencil support on the touchscreen Max. Happens to get a little bit of an interesting hinge design. That's a really good point. Like if they would, if they would ever consider making a two-in-one laptop, Mm -hmm. that would be wild to see them do. Because you know as well, Apple would have some like bonkers hinge, right? Like (laughs) some incredibly engineered like hinge. It's just all magnets. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's magnetic. It's just like a million magnets in there holding it all together. Like I am genuinely like more excited about Mac hardware than I have been in years. Like I was trying to weigh up which laptop I was going to buy. Like I have a MacBook Pro that is in need of replacing. I'm not buying Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many other things that as we see sort of the the iOS and Mac worlds start to combine, imagine we see the 120 hertz ProMotion displays on Macs. I would love that, right? And there's no reason why they couldn't do it. Especially because by that point, the phones will probably have it too. Mm-hmm. And so high refresh rate is going to start to become table stakes for Apple across the product line, you know, because people, that's the way it goes with Apple, right? Like when they introduced retina displays, people were like, well, we want retina displays on all the products now. Like every now and then Apple will introduce a technology to their product line where it needs to start permeating out. ProMotion has taken way too long because the first ProMotion display was maybe like two, three years ago now in the iPad Pro. It was the the 2017 or yeah something yeah, like that the, right. It was the first 10 inch iPad Pro. So when they did the small one for the first time, it had the ProMotion high refresh rate display in it, mm-hmm. and it is wild that they have not been able to put out any more products to take advantage of that technology. So I really hope we see that, and then it would be really fun to see that permeate out to the Mac line as well. I would really love that. That would be super nice. I would also love to see 4G slash 5G support in MacBooks. Oh my gosh. It would be so good. To my understanding, one of the reasons that we have not had LTE connections in Macs is again because of some of the chipset stuff that they're using. Mm-hmm. But Apple really knows how to build chips that integrate <laughs> with modems. That's yeah. what they design. That's what they build now. So yep. I would love to see that, right? And to have something that is... Especially like if you're going to end up with these products which will very likely have really long battery lives on them, mm-hmm. they're going to become even more portable-minded than the current laptops are. They will be closer to the idea of you're going to get 10, 11 hours out of this like you do an iPad. Just take it with you and do everything. But if yeah. you're taking it with you, it's really nice to have a dedicated wireless like LTE, 5G, then tethering. Tethering is still bit of a pain then you're drawing the battery life of two devices rather than mm -hmm. one you know Mm -hmm. and then i think another aspect here is it's really going to be interesting to see so obviously the current developer kit is taking advantage of that a12z which honestly is already kind of behind right i mean it's essentially the 2018 ipad pro processor right yeah the the a12z was the one where uh, people tried to make a controversy out of this right uh but Mm -hmm. it wasn't one we even spoke about it on this show i believe uh, where it's basically just an extra GPU core added yep. to the processor, the A12X processor. Exactly. It was, I think, the original 2018 
iPad Pro had seven GPU cores, mm-hmm. but the die actually had eight on them and they just had one disabled, which is very standard. I mean, if you look at any game console, they have one, two GPU cores or more that are disabled just in case of yields. So they don't have to throw a perfectly good chip away. Uh, but obviously, after years of making these chips, they had the sort of yields taken care of so they could give the entire fully enabled silicon out there. But even so, you look at that, which is admittedly powerful, but a couple years old at this point. And if you look at what the A14 era, what we're going to get in the new iPhones, you take that chip and you scale it up to like eight. 10, maybe even 12 cores, uh, what some of the rumors are showing, you're going to have a lot of power in these new Macs, even in these small Macs, right? I mean, you could see like the iPad Pro and maybe like the, the 12-inch MacBook or the, the low-end MacBooks sharing a processor and the MacBook just has a little bit higher TDP, a little bit more cooling to support it. And you're looking at a very powerful device, not even getting into the higher-end stuff. It's very exciting. I like being excited about the Mac. I know. (laughs) It's fun, man. I'm just so amped about, like, I'm legitimately impressed with what I saw. I was like, okay, cool. We're going to see, you know, obviously these new chips are going to be good. It was very much telegraphed beforehand that we were going to see this at WWDC. But, like, the level at which we've seen it and how much they've really pushed it is really exciting to me. But I think my question, my question, Mike, can you see yourself ditching the iPad for an Apple Silicon Mac. So obviously one of the big benefits is I would have access to all of the cool apps that I like to use in theory, right? Like yep. the, there are a lot of apps that I use that are only on the are only on iOS or their Mac apps are nowhere near as good. And maybe we would start to see all, if not most of those come over. But I love iOS. I love iPad OS. And I still feel like the Mac has more complexity than I like. Mm. And like, I don't, I'm not a big fan anymore of like arbitrarily arranged windows. I like, I I don't like it. It's messy to me. It's too, like I'm looking at my, my Mac now and there's like eight things and they're all overlapping. (laughs) I don't like it. Well, well I, I love the focus that iPadOS provides for me, where right. I can have two apps on screen and maybe bring one in if I need to. I, I really like that now. Like, I'm very used to that. And mm-hmm. it works really well for the way that I work. I could imagine that an Apple Silicon Mac will provide me with a nicer environment than what I currently have with portable Macs, especially. But I, it would take a lot for me to want to move away. Like my friend Federico says this a lot, and I completely agree with him. Like the modular nature of the iPad is one of its great, yes, appealing things. You know, like it's a laptop when I want it to be. It's a tablet when I want it to be. I can have a pencil. Mm-hmm. I can have a mouse. I can, you know, like it's very what you need it to be at that time. Yeah, and they're not going to make a Mac of a detachable screen. They're not going to do that, even if they make it a touchscreen. It's like the idea of a two-in-one is still maybe a little out there for for, for me. Like the idea of being able to flip the screen around to the back. Whilst I would love to see what Apple could do there, that still feels like at that point Mm -hmm. it's too close to an iPad, and I don't think they would do that. So then it's still very Mac-like in its form factor, which I have found in more recent years to be more restricting for me than an iPad in the way that I like to work. 
Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with the flexibility, right? I mean, especially the Magic Keyboard. I think it's really, the iPad has clicked for me in a way that it never really had in the past. So with the Smart Keyboard, I essentially never really removed the iPad. It just lived on the folio all the time. With the Magic Keyboard, I have found myself really just taking the iPad off, scanning some documents. Sometimes I'll just be sitting there reading. And then when I need to, I just drop it right back on, type. Like, that's something I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. But that being said, as much as I like the experience, there's still things that I miss, and there's things that really haven't been addressed in iPad OS 14. The Files app is probably my number one offender. I spend a lot of time moving files around, not only through Google Drive, but also connecting with like, a server and whatnot. A lot of stuff just straight up doesn't work. I can't watch, as far as I know, unless iPadOS has changed this in 14, I can't play back like ProRes files. Almost everything we do here is ProRes in the office, which means that the iPad is very limited, right? I really wish that there was more robust multi-monitor support. That was something I was hoping to see that we haven't really seen. That was a big disappointment for me. It felt like that the external monitor support, like serious, like proper external monitor support was going to be something we would see in iPadOS 14. Yep. And it didn't make it uh, for this yep. version. I, w- I I still have high hopes for them to add it at some point. I mean, who knows? We might get it in the middle of next year, like we did trackpad support. Like that came Maybe. out of nowhere. But I do believe it's coming. That has not happened. I will say for files, there's stuff going on with files. Um, but right now, it's very it's buggy in the beta. Um, oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, f- I, the the main place that I have seen any issues is the Files app, uh, mm. especially integrating with Dropbox. It's ah. li- it's even more wonky than usual, which is quite a thing <laughs> to imagine. But look, it is the beta that and that. So I am running the beta. Spoiler. Uh, but Ooh. that's the place where I have seen the most the most weirdness right now. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. Like I like the iPad for what it is. I really appreciate it. But the more I think about these new Macs, the more I am really significantly considering switching back over. Because if they can bring a lot of the things I love about the iPad and give me things like Final Cut, give me things like a full-fledged Finder, we have the multi-monitor stuff, we have a lot of the things that I rely on to get work done, mm-hmm. I could theoretically go back to using one device. But, but Mike, wait, so you're actually already on the beta? I shouldn't even be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I was so I'll say I do not install betas this quickly, typically. Yeah, yeah, same. But I got a couple of things going on, uh, in the sense of I'm not traveling right now and won't be traveling <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> um, and that means that the iPad, so I have both iPads, right? The larger mm-hmm. iPad and the smaller iPad Pro. The smaller iPad Pro I used pretty much exclusively when I was traveling and I would travel quite a lot. It was a smaller device and it was great for that. That iPad has sat in my uh, travel bag since March. Aww. So I had the perfect candidate for a beta device. Oh, okay. Okay. Because that device has been unused. So I've put, that's where I've got the beta running. I've got the iPad OS beta running on there. Um, and I will say I will be installing the iPhone OS beta, but I may mm-hmm. wait for beta 2. The reason is I have friends who are running the iPhone beta already and they're saying that it's stable, which I can believe because iPad OS 14 is running very, very well right now. Nice. This is not me telling our listeners to follow what I'm doing, <laughs> but what I'll say is if you are the type of person that's going to do it anyway, it feels much more like the beta cycle of iOS 12, which was very stable, 
than mm-hmm. iOS 13, which was a disaster. However, things change beta to beta, and it could get really bad in a couple of weeks. But right now, <laughs> it's a really solid beta one. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast. I love new podcasts. I'm sure you do too. Finding new podcasts to listen to, it's a great thing. It's one of the great things about the medium. There's always something for you out there, no matter what your interests are. That's what I love about podcasting. If you're looking for something new to listen to, SyncUp takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn about how to connect files, share your documents, and work from anywhere, which is really important to understand right now. You'll also get to hear about the design and and development side of things as well. Every show covers a dedicated topic, feature guest interviews, have news and announcements, and a special topic outside of the technology norm. Like, for example, like there's a great mix of content on the show, as I mentioned, but they have like really, really nerdy stuff about data security. But also a recent episode I checked out also featured really fun moments, like discussing favorite snacks for working at home, which, I mean, who doesn't love that? On a recent episode, they were talking about how they empower Mac users, which is great for right now, changing management and and product adoption, customer successes, file sharing, personal vaults, and so much more. So if this is something of interest to you, you've got to go check out the episode right now. You can just search for SyncUp wherever you get your podcast. That's S-Y-N-C-U-P. Or you can just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out today. Our thanks to SyncUp from Microsoft for their support of this show and all of RelayFM. So I'm curious, what are your sort of overall thoughts about iPadOS? So I guess my sort of my thought going into it is it doesn't seem like the biggest update in the no. world. Scribble really was the main thing I was curious about. Yeah, so I would say after the the keynote, I was a little disappointed um, mm-hmm. because I was hoping for more from yeah. iPadOS, especially when I found out stuff like the app library, so like the new like app organization stuff is not on the iPad, uh, mm-hmm. that you can't that you have the new uh, widgets, there are new widgets, there's a whole new widget design. You have those, but you can't put them wherever you want on the home screen. I was like, oh, this is this is frustrating. Yeah. But then once I got to try it, there are a few features that are absolutely fantastic. So the new search is really nice. Um, oh, yeah. It looks like Spotlight, acts like Spotlight on the Mac. Um, and you can do things like launch shortcuts directly from the search. Mm-hmm. And the new shortcuts UI... So many, if not pretty much all the shortcuts I use, they actually all run in the background now. And there's like, um, it looks like notifications are, run, uh, are firing, but it's like a new shortcuts UI. So I have stuff that I can run just from the search field and they just run in the background. And so that kind of integration is really nice. But the biggest feature for me is that I'm the most excited about and like really, am, and like will tell anyone that will listen is the new Apple Pencil stuff. So yes. there are two things where it's easy to get them confused. They're like two separate things that they've added. One is in Apple Notes and apps that use Pencil Kit, which is like the Apple's features that they provide in the Apple Pencil, uh, for the Apple Pencil, it's in the SDK, and other apps can integrate with Pencil Kit. There are uh, handwriting recognition stuff going on where you can write in your own handwriting, you can tap and select the text, so you can change the color of it and stuff, but also you can copy it as text, which you can then paste into other applications. So you can make handwritten notes, copy the handwritten note, and then open up like a different document and paste it in as text, which is really fantastic. So cool. And it also recognizes like phone numbers and addresses 
in handwritten text and you can tap on them like you would if they were in an iMessage, go, you know, like add a contact, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So that's really cool. The Newton strikes back. It really is, especially with the second feature as well, which is called Scribble. And Scribble will allow you to handwrite in any text field and it immediately turns into text. So if I'm writing a note, if I'm writing an iMessage, if I'm filling out a form, um, pretty much anywhere that text is recognized, with some exceptions, like our good old friend Google Docs. Oh, yes. Google does so much of their own text rendering stuff that it's unsurprising. Um, But in pretty much every app that I have used, except Google Docs, this functionality just works. And you can use your own handwriting with the Apple Pencil and the iPad, you can take notes in like cursive. Uh, you can oh, mix wow. and match like I do. And I would say that the recognition of handwriting is like pretty much as good, if not better, than series dictation. Wow, that's really impressive. It is very accurate, even, and I am not being kind to it, right? Like I'm not writing more clearly, I'm writing normally, and I don't have great handwriting. And it does that feature that Siri will do for you or dictation will do for you where if it believes that there could be multiple words that you, you're trying to write, it will do that blue underline. Ah, where yeah. it's like, you know, I've taken my best guess at what you've written here, but if you tap this, you can change it. And there's a couple of other features that you can do with text. Uh, once you've actually handwritten the text, if you want to delete a word, you just scribble it out. Right? Like, you know, if you write something down, you just, mm-hmm. just like furiously scribble it. If you do that, <laughs> it deletes the word. And if you circle text, it will select it for you. So cool, man. It's really amazing. I, as as a, an Apple Pencil devotee, right? Like, I absolutely love it. But I have used my Apple Pencil way less since they added the trackpad support. Because Same. I would use it for navigation a lot because I found that really comfortable and a nice experience. But a trackpad is better, and it provides me with what I'm looking for. But now I'm I'm back to using my Apple Pencil a bunch because I can very seamlessly go from handwritten to text notes like really fast, mm-hmm. um, and it's helping me use my iPad more like a tablet again. Where recently and quite for a while, like I've used it just like a like a laptop with a keyboard attached to it permanently. But now that it's so easy to take it out of the keyboard that I use, and I have the Apple Pencil always there, I can just tap around, do what I want to do. If I need to send a message, I just handwrite it instead. Really awesome. It is very cool. I'm excited to try that. I'm exactly in the same boat. of I used to use the pencil a lot. As soon as I had the trackpad, the pencil pretty much didn't even live on the iPad. It just lived in my bag, and I would grab it every once in a while. I definitely don't have the greatest handwriting, so I'm curious to see how well it works for me. But it seems incredibly cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's. I thought it would be when they showed it off like a nice thing. Like, ah, that's nice to have. But no, I was like, actually, this is like my very favorite feature of the new version of iPad OS. And that's not just because like it's like, oh, the best of a bad bunch, which I don't think it is anyway. But it's not like that. It's not like, oh, this is the best of what they have. Like, this is just like a really excellent feature to what is like for the iPad, right? That's this is a pretty solid release. Like, we went many years with. Yeah. With not much. And they did add stuff and they refined stuff. And there's a lot of design stuff, which is taking from the Mac. Like a lot of applications have uh, sidebars and new toolbars and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They, there are also just like a lot of really nice little improvements to the iPadOS experience that they didn't really show 
during the keynote. So overall, I'm really happy with, with what I've got here. And imagine how much we would be losing our minds right now if they had saved the trackpad, the mouse, and the magic keyboard for WWDC and for yeah. iPad OS 14. We'd be like, oh my God, it's so amazing. Like, it's easy to forget that we just got a massive update that I would say is yes. probably as big, if not bigger, than any of these things just a couple months ago at this point. Adding trackpad support would have been like, one of the most spoken about features of all of WWDC if they would have saved yep. it. So I have no complaints because they made a significant update to the experience for me three months ago. All right. Shall we take some Q&A questions? I think so. Leo the Lion 96 asks, is it a good time to buy a MacBook Pro? Uh, no. <laughs> the <end. laughs> uh, I'm going to say for that, it depends. If you need one, like that there's a reason that you need to have a MacBook Pro right now. It could be six months, it could be eighteen months until they have another one. It's it's True. difficult to tell. I mean, there's always new stuff coming. Like if you really need that laptop, go for it. But if you just want to update like how I want to update, I don't need to, but I want to, then don't yeah. then wait. At least wait to see what the first ARM Mac's gonna look like before mm-hmm. you pull the pull the trigger. And I'll just add on to that. If you are considering buying a new Mac now, I would say consider either used or go into the Apple refurb store. I actually good, think that both of those are good options. You're still going to get support, obviously. Any of the current Macs that you can buy today within the last year or two are still going to be supported for years to come. But you can save a good amount of money and you'll sort of save a little bit on your resale if, you know, two years from now, some great ARM Mac comes out and you're ready to flip it. You'll be a little bit sort of closer to getting your money back out of it. Frozen Mags asks, do you think Apple will finally transition to providing a good gaming experience with the new ARM-based chips? <sighs> I can't see any way that it's going to make yeah. things better. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it can't. Wait, iPhone and iPad apps. That, that, uh, some games will come over through there. That, that might make yeah, a difference. Yeah, but a little bit. how will they work? Because a lot of the touch-based experiences for games I don't think will work as good with yes. uh, a mouse and keyboard. So the best games are going to be the ones that have controller support. Mm-hmm. To be fair, on the iPad, they did announce that there's much better keyboard and mouse support for things like games, where a lot of that will actually be yep. able to be sort of naturally built in. So if you're building an iPad game, you've got sort of keyboard and touchpad support or mouse support. I'm assuming a lot of that will natively come over to the Mac and vice versa. So uh, may- maybe. I-, I don't think it's going to be huge. But u- ultimately, I feel like the ability to play iPhone and iPad games on the Mac might end up being a bigger deal, especially if a developer can spend you know a day or two just sort of optimizing it to go full screen and call it a day. Might be interesting. Although I'd hold my breath. Oh, wait. I wouldn't hold my breath. That's the phrase, right? That's I wouldn't right. hold my breath? You wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> Gabriel T. Black asks, with macOS running on A12Z on Macs, do you think that this sets up macOS possibly running on iPad? Ooh. No. Well, no, no, no well, chance. No uh, chance. They're not going to do it. <laughs> can't, can't you like... Yeah, okay, you're right. They're not going to do it. <sighs> the fact that they haven't done it, right? Because like, there was the possibility, and they, they right. could have shipped the transition solution as being install this mac os profile on Mm -hmm. your ipad pro right because we're looking at the same chip different ram different cooling but in theory it could have worked 
if Apple really want to blow us away with their new Mac hardware, don't make it look bad putting it next to an iPad. Yeah. Yep. Because <sighs> the iPad's always going to be, in my opinion, cooler looking. It's going to have weirder and more fun accessories. And it's going to continue to have a lot of new modern features. I don't yeah. imagine Apple in the long term putting as much resource into the Mac as they will the iPad. Like I think that there is like a scale where they put most of their time into the iPhone, then mm-hmm. the iPad, then the Mac. Because yeah. that's how the products sell. That's where computing kind of is for a lot of people. Um, and also, you know, like they will always make different considerations with the Mac. You know, the Macs will be thicker, probably most likely, you know. And if you start them putting it next to the iPad, we're like, oh, the iPad has these really cool keyboard options. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I think that it will make those ARM Macs, the Apple Silicon Macs that they really want people to buy into, it's not going to make them look as cool. I agree. I was very much excited for the idea of just slapping a copy of Mac OS on my iPad and living a happy life. But uh, it makes sense. And ultimately, I feel like the, the Mac Mini developer kit, like that, totally reasonable. That's a much smarter way of doing it. All of those Mac Minis are going to get destroyed at one point anyway, and they don't have to worry about like battery life numbers getting out or anything. But it's uh, it's you can dream, right? You sure can. Uh, Tucker Luke asks, how are the widgets compared to Android? Are they similar, or did Apple make anything unique about them on iOS 14? I haven't tried them yet. What do you think? So, okay, one of the big differences between widgets on uh, Android and widgets on iOS is the current new widgets for iOS do not have any interactivity built into them. Mm. So this is actually a difference from the current widget design. So if you had a checklist, you cannot check off items on that list from the widget. Everything that you tap in the widget will open the application. Right? So that that's a I big see. difference. Right? So Android widgets do have that ability like the old Apple widgets do. Uh, but all of the new ones, like Apple have made this very clear in a couple of statements that they made in, in sessions, in video sessions. One, widgets are not mini apps and mm-hmm. they are intended to be glanceable. So really they are borrowing from the idea of Apple Watch design of like widgets provide you with information that apps are exposing to you rather than you interacting with them. If you see the widget and want to interact with the app, open the app. Right. That makes sense. I honestly, especially sort of using the Z Flip so much this year, I've really appreciated the idea of kind of building my home screen around sort of a widget page and an app page. Right. So I have a couple of the things that I always use sort of on my main screen. I have like one small little like widget with like my calendar and like a couple of bits of information. But then I swipe over to page two and I really like the idea of having to do it front and center. I can really easily see. Mm-hmm. I have my calendar right below that. So essentially that entire page is like, okay, I wake up in the morning, I swipe over, I have to go do this in the morning. I have to make sure I'm here for this meeting or this podcast recording, whatever. I really appreciate that. And ultimately I think that's going to be a huge benefit to the iPhone and having that. Because obviously, this is something that, I mean, look, I don't want to be that guy, but this is not a brand new concept. Uh, Android's had it for, I don't know, a a decade now. I mean, Mm -hmm. Windows Phone had this from day one, from Windows Phone 7, right? So like the idea of having more of this and ultimately making that home screen a more useful place to be instead of just a bunch of your apps just sitting there taking up real estate, I'm really excited to see this. I'm curious, 
So are any of the current widgets that you would have rolled over or do all of yes. the developers basically have to bring all the new? Okay, okay, gotcha. They have said that they're not going to be continuing support. Like that's what Apple called deprecated. Okay. But the existing widgets do still work and will still work in iOS 14. But Apple is encouraging everybody to make new ones. And these new widgets, they are actually interoperable between iOS, iPadOS, and macOS. Oh, of course, because this is on the Mac now as well. Yeah, so they're built using Apple's SwiftUI um, development language. So you build them in one place, and if you have applications that are across the whole thing, you are able to use that same code across all platforms. I'm intrigued to see what happens with the widget stuff. Honestly, like I don't like to lose functionality, right? Like in mm-hmm. being able to like check off my tasks or whatever. But if I get overall more widgets with more information exposed to me from the applications I use every day, that may end up actually just being a, a net positive for me. Interesting. I'm very curious to try these. And Stuex asks, what is the oldest Apple device that you still use? Oh, man, that's actually, that's a kind of a tough one. So my first instinct is to say my Apple Watch, which is a Series 4. Oh, God, I don't even know. It's It was the first one when they went to the bigger screen. That's Series 4, right? Yes. Because the current one is, is it current? Is it Series, series five. 5? or Yeah. Series, series five, 5 is out right now. Okay. But the more I think about it, I actually think that it's an iPad. I have... The base model 2017 iPad is sort of our production iPad here in the office, which I use for notes. We use it for research. It sort of lives on a little stand here in the studio. That's probably the oldest one that is in regular use. We have a 2013 trash can Mac Pro, which is just sort of like a render station that's sort of connected to the server, but I don't really count that. I'd say the iPad is probably the oldest thing that we use on a very regular basis. I don't think I have anything. Like Really? Everything that I'm using right now is 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 all mod. Uh, well, actually, okay. The oldest device that I still use on occasion is the first generation butterfly keyboard MacBook Pro. Still so like the 2016? Yeah. Oh. So okay. I have a 2016 MacBook Pro that when I would go record somewhere, like have a 13 inch one. Uh, that like if when I was traveling and if I was recording on the road, that's the machine that I would take. So that's the oldest device that I have. I don't use it very often, but uh, everything else is pretty modern. We had an iPad Air 2 in the kitchen until very recently, and we replaced that with uh, an Echo Show. Oh, okay. That's quite the change. We really like the Amazon Echo stuff for uh, all of that type of like, speaking to an assistant that that's mm-hmm. kind of like our preferred um and so we d- i just decided to go down that route and it does you know it does some things better some things worse honestly <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense mike this is a question from me hello oh, nice. my name is austin what my is favorite your favorite one of our listeners <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest disappointment from wwdc this year hmm yeah, see? Best for last. That there was absolutely no new hardware. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with that. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that is in the pipeline, you know, that, that we could have heard about. Um, 
you know, you've got new AirPods stuff, including over-ear AirPods, which feels like a September thing, but, you know, you never know. There's new mm-hmm. iMacs. There could be a new Apple monitor that goes along with a new iMac that would work really well with an iPad, maybe. Um, yeah. There's other new laptops that would be interesting to see. Apple's AirTags product, which has been rumored <laughs> forever, but now may never exist because they they actually announced, like, that that third parties can tie in with the Find My app now. So I have mm-hmm. no idea, but I was really hoping that we were going to get at least one hardware announcement because I do love I do love new hardware. I gotta say, and this is going to sound really small, but I really hoped for multi monitor support for iPad. Yeah, that was the main thing I was really hoping for because that's out of everything. With the iPad, that sort of feels like the biggest sort of thing to hold me back. Obviously, it supports multiple monitors. I know that. But like having like better Windows support where I can just drag an app up to a monitor and call it a day, that was something I was really hoping for. And especially because it seems like there's no reason why it couldn't. The hardware is clearly mm-hmm. capable. I mean, that A12Z inside that the, the Mac Mini developer kit, I mean, it has like an HDMI port full 4K. I mean, it obviously has the power to run Final Cut with multiple ProRes and all this kind of stuff. So I think that's probably the biggest one for me. I just want the iPad to be better. But guess what? The Mac is here to save the day. Oh, God. Here we go. (laughs) Test Drivers, episode 20. Austin switches to the fourth Mac of the year. (laughs) 